frivolous. Nothing personal. Word of the day is frivolous. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. It's cold out there, folks. It's cold. Coca didn't want me to have the same word of the day two days in a row. Yes, I know frivolous was the word of the day yesterday on March 17th. And if you're listening to these back to back, thank you. Frivolous is the word of the day because we have to revisit the Deshaun Watson story because it's back. Yesterday, we spent an entire segment talking to you about my view and definition of frivolous, my view of our legal system, and the thought that filing of frivolous lawsuits is one of the issues that faces this country and drives me crazy, not just as a lawyer, but just as a member of society. So now we're up to two official lawsuits filed by this lawyer in Texas, in Houston, and apparently there are more to come. And I read online, I got in Texas, it's amazing, everything's public, you can read anything you want, anything that's filed. A civil suit's been filed against Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of the Houston Texans. And the lawsuit claims that Watson made inappropriate advances to a masseuse. It's the second reason that massage parlors and masseuses are in the news in the last few days. And the lawsuit says that he inadvertently or advertently touched her with his penis and said, made it clear that the Houston Texas wanted him to work on his groin. And she suffered as a result of that, can't work and uh, is emotionally unstable, et cetera, et cetera. That's one. Second one came out from another masseuse who he flew from Houston to Atlanta. I guess they were playing in Atlanta or he was in his, in Atlanta Coca for, for work, for play, or they were playing the Falcons. And, uh, or he flew her from Atlanta to Houston, whichever the case may be, but he flew a masseuse somewhere. And when she got there, uh, apparently he was naked. And so that caused a major problem. But now there's four more suits coming. And the question is this, and, and we spent a lot of time, Coke, on the Levitard show today. I did the local hour talking about what it is from a PR standpoint. What are you supposed to do if you're Deshaun Watson? We're covering this right now, journalistically. Are we going to cover it with the same zeal if this goes to trial and there is no settlement and it is found that by a jury that there was no civil issue here? Does it become different if there's a criminal issue the way there is, let's say, in the Harvey Weinstein case or there almost was in the Woody Allen case? Does that become a bit different? Do we look at that and then examine it? So what I was thinking about overnight is what happens now and how we are in charge of what happens now. And we can choose to bury this issue. There's no question about it. Watson can choose to not say another word. He can choose to answer all these claims. He can choose to try to answer one suit at a time. He can try to get all the suits put together in court, sort of a class action civil suit. He can go to a general settlement or a specific case by case settlement. There are all sorts of ways he could play this. <clears throat> And the question is, what should he do? And what is he being advised to do? And if I were Deshaun Watson's advisor, here's what I'd be telling him. I would not ask him whether or not he flew a masseuse from place to place. I would not ask him whether he thought that the masseuse would provide him a happy ending. 
I would not ask whether or not he had an erect penis. I'm not asking him those questions as his lawyer or his PR person. What I am asking him is, what is your appetite for this story to go away? What is your appetite at home with your family to admit or not admit what you may have or may not have done? What is it worth to you financially? And what a world where money becomes the driving force, even though Deshaun said it's not about money, even though the lawyer said these claims are not about money. The lawyer said, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm already rich. The lawyer said, if I didn't earn another dollar, I'd have enough to live the rest of my life. So everyone doth protest too much that money has nothing to do with this. But at the end of the day, Watson's decision is Watson's decision, but my commitment and nothing personal. And the reason why this deserves to be covered by nothing personal is my commitment to you, Deshaun, is the way this story was covered yesterday is the way I will cover this story. And Coke and I have committed to continue to cover this story until there is finality. And we're not going to bury it. It'll be like a wait to see where we will revisit it because I don't want to be the way Lebetard today said is how journalists are, which is we cover the story when it happens and then we don't cover the settlement. We don't cover the result or the acquittal. Not as interesting. It is interesting to me and I wanna make it so it's interesting to you. So when I tell you that frivolous is the word of the day for the second day in a row, it's because I want you to know that we will not stop with this story. Deshaun Watson has some decisions to make. What happens if there's eight, 10, 12 women who allege inappropriate behavior? Does it become like the Harvey Weinstein case? Will there be some sort of criminal look into this? Will a local district attorney's office or state attorney be asked to look into this? Or will people say, it is not worth it. It's not worth the public resources. Will Deshaun Watson be like Robert Kraft and fight, fight, fight to not just clear his name, but to make sure that videos are not released, to make sure that nothing can be released that can have some sort of visual legs, if you will. He's got more than the next football season to worry about, more about worrying about who the head coach is now, more than worrying about who the general manager is or whether or not he's going to get traded. And for all the people who think this will cause the McNair family to trade Watson, it'll have nothing to do with it. Frivolous. We have another follow-up that I want to continue with, actually. And uh, Coca said to me that you're not interested in this because it's a very local story but I'm not making this a local story. I'm making this a global story. Myers Leonard, the Miami Heat player who was suspended by the league for one week for the use of a racial slur on a video game, live video game stream called Twitch. Myers Leonard, who was not waived by the Heat. Myers Leonard, who was not admonished by the Heat other than a statement. Myers Leonard, who has been injured and out for the year, has now been traded by the Miami Heat. He was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder there is an expectation that the Oklahoma City Thunder will not play him, but he's hurt, so they don't have to make that decision. But he has not been immediately waived. And I want to read to you what the Heat did after they traded him. And yet again, it was a Heat statement. No name attached. No Mickey Harrison, no Pat Riley, no nobody. 
the heat statement. Myers was a key part of our team that made a run to the NBA finals, and we will always be grateful for his contributions and leadership last season. His recent comments were very hurtful and disappointing. They buried the lead, but we are encouraged that he has spent this last week meeting with community leaders, rabbis, and Holocaust survivors to greater understand the impact of his words, and we hope that his education will continue. We wish Myers and Ellie not telling us who that is, but it's his wife, the best of luck in the future. Mickey Arison had a chance here to do what's right, and he didn't. The Miami Heat had a chance to do what's right, and they chose to go the wrong direction, and I am furious about it. And the reason I'm furious is that I want a list. I'm tired of people who can get away with misogyny, or racism by going on an apology tour. And I'm tired of being the person who is a part of that, who sends people on apology tours. By the way, for those of you who are tweeting at me that I'm inconsistent in my treatment of Myers Leonard because he made an ethnic slur that was anti-Semitic and I didn't treat Ozzie Gee in that way. And I, and I mentioned this on Levitard, so I'm not gonna be repetitive except to say there's a big difference between a racial slur and coming out in support of a dictator. A Grand Canyon size difference. You didn't see me come out against the killer of the Asian Americans in Atlanta, did you? You're damn right I did. Asian hate, Jewish hate, black hate, they're the same. There is no hierarchy. Mickey Arison had an opportunity to make a difference here. And he starts with how important Myers was to the heat run to the bubble final. G-M-A-B. You can put that in the statement, fine. You don't lead with that. And the apology tour, I want names. Which Holocaust survivors did he meet with? Who are the rabbis he met with? And what did they talk about? If we're gonna change in our society, we can't make it. So all you have to do is say, yeah, I had a few meetings with a few people and I understand that the K word is bad, the N word is bad, it's the same. And let me move on with my life. No, I wanna know who you spoke to and if they explained to you when you claim you didn't know what the word meant, did they give you the history? And is that in any way gonna make you different? Do people who learn about slavery all of a sudden not become racist because they learned about slavery? Do people who learn about the Holocaust all of a sudden become not anti-Semitic because, oh my God, 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust during World War II? Oh, the re, I get it. I can't believe I missed it all these years. Oh my God, Coke, I got it. The reason why there are Nazis today is that people didn't ever teach them about the Holocaust. Oh God, of course I'm wrong. That's obviously what the case is. Are you kidding? Can we please live in a place where we don't believe that load of crap for one second longer? Is there any possible chance? What happens next to Myers Leonard? He disappears is what happens next. He's not gonna get another job in the NBA because he's not good enough. 
and the guilt I feel having run a team for 18 years, knowing that I was a part of that culture, a part of making decisions based on the skill of a player, even though when I could claim and tell you that I worked my ass off to be consistent, but it's impossible to be consistent because at the end of the day, you want to win and you know that people will forget about a DUI or they'll forget about a racial slur, but they'll never forget about the flag and the rafters. They'll never forget about the ring on the finger. Your legacy will be double World Series champion. It will not be he won two World Series, but he allowed a player to play who was arrested or who was a misogynist. That's not the legacy. I was a victim of my own ego, a victim of my own desires to be remembered. It's very silly when you spend your life trying to be remembered, isn't it? Why not spend your life living it and then let the chips fall where they may? Try to do what's right knowing that you can't do what's right all the time. God knows I've not done what's right all the time. I've done what's wrong more often than I wish to admit. I don't know. I don't really know the legacy of my great-grandparents. How sad is that? Does that mean that my great-grandchildren won't know my legacy either way? Will the existence of the internet change that? I don't know. If I had the ability to Google my great-grandparents, would I? I can't change what's in my Google. I can try to repopulate it, but I can't change it. Can't change my past. I can just try to live a better future. I can't change the mistakes I've made. Just try to make different ones. Try to make fewer. Myers Leonard, I hope, goes on to make fewer mistakes. I hope that he goes on to understand that words have meaning. I just don't think he'll be able to do it with a sleeveless uniform, whatever color, on his back. I'm doing three in a row here, Coca, because I have to. I was, it was brought to my attention that something happened in uh, Tennessee in a place called Sewanee. Sewanee is a, it's called, uh, I'm completely blanking. I want to say University of the South. Uh, there's a school in Sewanee, Tennessee, and uh, it's called the University of the South. What happened <clears throat> is scary, and it deserves attention on the show today. But it happened almost a week ago. Last weekend, there was a lacrosse game between a school called University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee, and a school called Emmanuel College, which is in Boston, I believe. And there was a lacrosse game going on. Lacrosse is played on a field with sticks and a ball. There's goals. You try to score. You have to move your wrist around a lot. I tried to play lacrosse, but my wrists were only good for one thing. They were not good for that. And uh, during the course of the game, there were not, no fans allowed. There were no students allowed. But apparently this field where the game is played in Tennessee, there's a fence and a bunch of students were lining the fence and watching the game. And what happened next was a problem. The students started calling players on Emmanuel College racial slurs, including the N-word. Heckling them. That's the wrong word. They weren't heckling them. They were shouting racist insults at them. Loud enough that the other player that the players heard, including the Sewanee players, the Emmanuel players, and the referees. The students were removed from the fence. And that's when the issue started. The University of the South had to release a statement in response to what happened. 
And the statement said that the Sewanee Athletics Department condemns the behavior of those who attended Sunday's men's lacrosse game against Emmanuel and hurled racist epithets and oppose at opposing players. We have joined vice chancellor, et cetera, et cetera, our lacrosse coaches, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the problem. We've reported the incident, they said to the Southern Athletics Association. Okay, still not good. Moreover, we will be conducting a comprehensive review of our game management protocols. Uh-oh. And we'll be implementing changes wherever necessary. I can't believe this statement is being written. To prevent such incidents in the future. Then the statement ends with the behavior does not reflect the values of our university and our athletics department, and it will not be tolerated at Sewanee. Holy cow. They waited for the end to talk about it doesn't reflect our values. That's just a cut and paste sentence from every statement. But I have a question to the University of the South. You're conducting a review of your game management protocols. Let me get this straight. The problem you have with people saying the N-word is that you didn't have enough security? That you didn't have enough cameras pointed at those students so you can't properly identify them? That's the problem in your mind? I've got a better statement from the University of the South, and here's how it goes. I cannot believe as the president and chancellor of this university that I have done such a poor job of educating our students and of selecting our students to attend this university who would think it possible that using the N-word or slurs or slinging racial epithets toward anybody is acceptable. I don't need to change our game management protocol. I need to change the students who have been admitted into our school. I don't need to implement changes when necessary. I need to implement changes immediately in my process. I need to have training for these young students to make them understand what is acceptable and what is not. I need to train my students to think about equality and to recognize that everyone, regardless of color, is equal. The University of South had an opportunity today and they flat out blew it. There are now protests on campus. Other, other athletes are saying that they are speaking out against racism. Right now, that college has a pretty significant issue, and I'm giving them advice as to how to change it. I think it is very clear what they can do, but what is interesting is whether or not they will do it. Where is the follow-up? And the beginning of this show all ties in perfectly together. We understand now that our actions have meaning and consequences. We understand that in the past, it has been okay to say, we're gonna examine our protocols. We're gonna to apologize to anyone who is hurt. We're gonna say it's unacceptable. 
Those days are done. I don't want to read it one more time. I don't want to read one more statement from one more person, one more university talking about the values that aren't represented by the actions of the people with whom we are represented. I was so furious with that policeman who talked about what a bad day it was. It was a bad day for the shooter in Atlanta. Really? I'm tired of the bad days. You know, and it's not just race, it's sex. It's everything, it's just, you know what it is? I've got a word for it, Coca. I figured it out, I know the word. The word is intolerance. That's it. That's a pretty much encompassing word, isn't it? Can you look that up? What is the exact definition, Coca, while we're doing the show? The exact definition of intolerance? Because I think that that will take into account everybody who has a view that anything or anyone who doesn't look or feel or act the way they do and views it as wrong. Intolerance is the unwillingness to accept views, beliefs, or behavior that differ from one's own. Thank you, Coco. That's exactly the definition. I think that's a more important issue than racism or sexism or misogyny or homophobia or anti-Semitism. It is the intolerance that we allow. What does it matter what someone's views, beliefs, or behavior is if it's different than your own, as long as it doesn't stop you from having views, beliefs, or behavior that you want and that you have? What does it matter what someone looks like or acts like, who they love? What does it matter? Yet it always has. Intolerance, that is what we are gonna try to fight on nothing personal. When we come back, we're going to talk about a movie where intolerance was the theme of the movie. We're also going to talk about some decisions that the Kansas City Royals have. And there was a firing in the NHL. Shocking but true. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, telling your friends about nothing personal, please spread the word. Follow us on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Thank you. We've got a lot going on in this show and we appreciate your time and do not take it for granted. Every day we watch a movie and or a TV show. I've been watching a lot of movies leading up to the Oscars, a lot of documentaries. I love all genres except sci-fi and horror. Someone asked me if I've seen a lot, bunch of sci-fi movies. I've only seen a couple actually. And I've, and I've liked some of the ones I've seen. I don't know that I count iRobot or Ex Machina as a sci-fi movie so much. Um, and, I, and there's some, you know, Star Wars to me is, is sci-fi and I've only seen the first three when I was a kid. 
I just, in horror movies, I'm straight out. I, I still have nightmares about the Blair Witch Project, but I've never seen like Chucky or any of the Halloween movies or any of that, that stuff. But I watched a movie yesterday or can't remember when called A Secret Love. Have you heard of it, Coca? It's a documentary. It's about a woman who played in the American Association, the women, oh God. Coco, what's, what is it? Hurry up. What is the, from League of Their Own, the Women's Professional League, the, the WPL, but it wasn't called that. Oh, I'm having a moment. It is a non-senior moment because I'm not a senior. The American Association of Professional Women's League, could it be the AAPWL? I've got a correction coming. Anyway, it's about a woman who played in that league. It is a true story about this woman and her friend and their 70-year friendship, except it wasn't just a friendship. Thank you, Coco. It's called the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, the AAGPBL, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. She actually was one of the players. She maybe even played on the Rockford Peaches from the movie League of Their Own. That was sort of the hook that got me to watch. Little did I know that I needed to watch it because of people's intolerance. The movie's about two women who had a 70-year love affair. 70 years they were together as gay women. They were known as friends. Their family thought they just always lived together because it was cheaper to live together because that's the story they were forced to tell because back in those days, you could not be gay. The documentary follows them as they get older, as they basically come out and they tell their family, their nieces, their nephews, their friends. It is an emotional movie because their secret love was truer than most people's love that they get in their life. Their devotion to each other, their names were Terry Donahue and Pat Henschel. And I wanna just shout out to Pat and Terry for the story. Uh, Terry has since passed away. I think she was the player, um, and uh, but I could have it backwards. And they tried back in the 40s and 50s to be with men and they just loved each other. And at the end of the movie, it talks about the fact that finally they were able to get married. And the movie shows their marriage. And they were married when they were very old. And they were holding hands. And all I kept thinking is why? That's what was in my head the entire movie. Why is it that we cared so much that women couldn't get married or men couldn't get married? Now we, you know, the Vatican has come out and said that gay men and gay people can't get married in a Catholic church. So they're forced to choose their love over their religion when some people want both. I just cannot figure out, and no one's been able to convince me what it is that causes that level of intolerance. It's your religious doctrine. Is that your story you want to stick to? It's because you believe 
that you were told by your God that someone's love is better than someone else's or someone's love is wrong? Is that the God you want to worship? Where your color of skin or your love is better, more accepted? I wouldn't be a God that I would ever want to, ever want to believe in. It's called a secret love. It is well worth your time. You will smile, you will tear up, and you will learn. And maybe we will all be one step further toward tolerance. Baseball is trying to get one step further toward equality as well, but they're talking about money equality. I have a far different view about equality when it comes to money and talent and skill. My view is far more capitalistic. My job running a business is to pay as little money as possible to, uh, to people who can make me as much money as possible. Just like that was my job when I was working for people. My job was to make as much money as possible for the people I worked for, period. The Kansas City Royals are in the news because they've got some decisions to make and I wanted to address those decisions. There's a player in spring training you've never heard of. Maybe you have. His name is Bobby Witt Jr., the son of Bobby Witt, who used to be a player. Bobby Witt Jr. is having a scathing, that's not the word, a scorching spring training, playing very well. There is amazing pressure on the Royals to put him on their opening day roster. He does not need to be on their opening day roster. And you know very well, because you're well-versed in it, raise your hand and say it with me, STM. No, not S and M, STM, service time manipulation. It's in the news, right? It's been in the news. The union's very unhappy about that. So the union is starting to sprinkle stories through members of the media. The union is starting to sprinkle stories saying, we're watching you, Kansas City. Bobby Witt deserves to be on your team coming out of spring training. He better be on your team coming out of spring training. So then the Royals are in an absolute no-win situation. They're sitting down now. Their GM is a guy named Dayton Moore. They have a new owner. Team was sold. And the owner is saying to himself, what do we do here? And Dayton Moore says, listen, let me just give it to you straight. I'm going to give you the facts, and then you're going to make the decision. If you start Bobby Witt on the team right now, the bottom line is, that he will be with you for one year fewer than if you wait three weeks to call him up. Now, I know that he was the second overall pick in 2019. I know that he is highly touted. He's only played 37 games in the minor leagues, 37 total, but he's had a good march. So Dayton Moore says to the owner, I get it. He's had a good march. He may be one of our top 26 players right now, maybe. But 37 games in the minor leagues, we can send him to the minor leagues, let him get at bats. And we will not lose a grievance against the union. I guarantee it. And then the owner says to Dayton Moore, wait a minute. With all the service time manipulation going on, are you sure? that even if we call him up in April, that there's not going to be some sort of agreement 
in the new collective bargaining agreement that will give extra service time to younger players that will allow them to have arbitration sooner that will give them more money at the minimum because that is what I think is going to happen Dayton so what is the real downside of bringing him up now and making our fans happy and making the union happy hold on I'm getting a call hold on yes Rob no I, I hear you oh you you want me to call him up wait we're talking about Bobby Witt right now yes right now we are yes that's true MLB is very involved in this decision MLB is being consulted on this decision. When you've got collective bargaining negotiations coming up and you've got a high profile player like Bobby Witt Jr. second overall, and you've got a low revenue team, a low small market team who is not gonna be in contention this year, you can bet your bippy that Major League Baseball is on the phone with the Royals saying, let's be very careful here. Let's be very smart and make sure that we have exact reasons and we're going to tell the union the exact reasons why Witt's not going to be on the team. But if he is going to be on the team, but if he is, that would be nice. Well, Rob, do I need to do it? Do I have to do it? I don't want to do it. Are the rules going to change in the next CBA? It's too early. We don't know. We're not sure. We certainly don't want players to be arbitration eligible earlier than they have to. We certainly don't want to pay younger players more than we have to. We want to take advantage of the young players when we can, because that's the best chance for teams like you, Kansas City, to ever win. If you've got to pay your best players a market rate from the beginning, you will have zero chance to ever have a good team. So we're fighting for you, Kansas City. These are the things that are going on back and forth right now between the Kansas City Royals and Major League Baseball and the union. But here is the way to see, and it's a pretty simple one. It really is. Wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen and I revisit it. And if I'm wrong, I'm gonna tell you. If I'm right, I'm gonna tell you. Bobby Witt will start the season in the minor leagues. You can wait to see. If I'm running the Kansas City Royals, or if I'm the commissioner of baseball, or if I'm the head of the union, I understand very clearly that someone with 37 minor league games who has a hot spring training needs time in the minor leagues, and I'm not going to die on that hill today. I am not using Bobby Witt as my example of someone to inform me how to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement. Not going to do it. Baseball knows it. The union knows it. The Royals know it. No matter what pressure is brought to bear on the Royals, Bobby Witt will start the season in the minor leagues. Hey, we got a quick question, don't we, Coco? You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. You want to talk to Samson? What is that? Do you know, Coco, I got a story. I was on a, um, I was on a, uh, uh, a radio show the other day. And the producer of the radio show said, we wanna do something to introduce you, but it's something you do on the podcast. What would you think if we played the So You Wanna Talk to Samson from Half Baked? Because we always wanna to talk to you. We love that you come on the radio show. What would you think about it? And I said, you know, that this is really all coke. It's nothing personal. And uh, I don't want you to do it. It's nothing personal. <laughs> So you want to talk to Samson is something we do here when you get on Twitter at David P. Samson. So that would be nice if you get on Twitter and hit follow and then ask a question. I'll read the question and sometimes I'll answer on Twitter. Sometimes I'll answer in the DM. Sometimes I won't get to it. Sometimes it'll make the show. Hey, David. Hey, how you doing? Quick question for you. 
The Buffalo Sabres are firing their head coach, who they will owe $3.75 million next year. When you had to let go of a manager that was under contract, how much does the financial hit come into play? I know you've talked about papering the file, so I guess I'm wondering why more professional teams aren't able to fire coaches for cause and void their contract. Thanks. Well, thanks for bringing up the way you put it in a singular way. When you had to let go of a manager, I thought that was very sweet of you. So thank you for asking that question because I've had to let go of managers. And here's, the, here's how the financial conversation goes when you want to fire your manager or your coach. Hello, Mr. Owner, in my case. Hello, uh, Jeffrey. So we're talking about firing our manager. He's got two years left at $2 million each, and we're going to hire another manager and have to pay $2 million. So our manager is really making $4 million, and that's a cash item. So I just want to make you aware of the impact that'll have on the budget. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Fire the manager. Hey, uh, Mr. Owner, in my case, Jeffrey. Um, we're negotiating with the manager right now. And if we give this manager four years, it's going to be an issue because he's unlikely to last four years. And so just be aware that we're always paying two managers. So just wanted you to know that. Thank you, David. Appreciate you letting me know. Now hire the manager and give him four years. And that is perfectly reasonable conduct by an owner, perfectly normal, and it's what every owner does. The finances never come into play when there is a manager who an owner or a GM wants to eliminate. When it comes to players, it's wholly different. It takes a lot to get an owner or a president to waive a player who's owed 20 or $30 million or to take a huge cap hit in football. Because you say to yourself, man, maybe he'll get good. Maybe we'll get something out of him. Maybe we can just sit him and play him a little and then trade him later. Maybe we can recapture some amount of value and it's one roster spot. What's the big deal? But with a manager, the view of that manager is that is a unique individual who is leading your team. But here's a quick Quick update for nothing personal viewers and listeners, viewers on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson, the YouTube channel. Managers are so important to presidents and owners because of the relationship they have with the president and the owner. They're so important to GMs because of the relationship they have with the GMs. The reality is that their ability to manage is really second to their ability to collaborate. That's a word that was used by Ross Atkins of the, of the Blue Jays. We talked about it yesterday. Collaborating up and managing down becomes more important than knowing when to make a pitching change because we're going to tell you when to make a pitching change. Hockey has gotten far more into analytics recently. In Buffalo, they said, you know, for $3.7 million, I'm going to bite it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to just pretend it was an underperforming player except we have a better chance to salvage a season, to salvage a team by having a different voice, different leadership going forward. So the financial hit for a managerial change is really never, ever in play. 
When you talk about papering the file, when I talked about papering the file, totally different. Papering the file is what we do when we want to fire someone and not pay them the rest of their contract. Subtle difference, but important nonetheless. You don't need to paper a file if you're just going to pay the person out because then there's no issue. Hey, you're fired. No problem. I get my paycheck every two weeks. You're damn right you are. See you later. I've left my key on the desk. Versus, hey, you're fired. And by the way, your paychecks have now stopped. Hold on, sir. What do you mean my paychecks have stopped? I have a contract. You've got to pay me my paycheck. You're firing me. You've got to pay me. I'm under contract. No, no, you're fired for cause. What do you mean I'm fired for cause? Because I didn't win games. That's not cause. No, no, I've papered your file. Hmm. Okay. That's why you paper a file. One of the things that I do definitely enjoy and nothing personal is all the mistakes I make because I certainly do make mistakes. And you correct them. And I always do the corrections on the next day's show because I want, or, or as soon as you tell me about them, don't be ashamed and don't think that I've got an ego so large that it can't fit through the door because I've got huge doors. So I don't mind the corrections. I want to do better. I want to do better. And when you do a 45 minute show every day and you've got no guests, no callers, of course there are gonna be mistakes. How could there not be? When it's unscripted the way we are, there are mistakes. And there are words that I can't think of. It happens all the time. Yesterday, I used Tempest into a teapot. And I was talking about Shaq Griffin. Remember the guy who signed with Jacksonville? He used to be on Seattle. And I said he went from the Tempest right into the teapot. Totally misused it. Couldn't think of what it was. I was wrong. Dan, thank you for listening to Nothing Personal and subscribing. And thank you for telling me what was in my head. It's like you were in my head. I was trying to say he was going out of the frying pan into the fire. And as you said, I had the right idea, but the wrong kitchenware. Thank you for that correction. All right, how are we doing on the MPDS brackets? The March Madness, it starts today. Playing games are today. Two 16s play against each other, two 11s play against each other, and you get that twice, and then they get to go to the first round and then lose because I didn't pick in my bracket on CBSSports.com any of the play-in teams. I don't think the play-in teams will win. We have a bracket challenge on CBS Sports. Get on the app because you could win a Nissan Rogue or you could win a trip to next year's Final Four. But here's what's better. Go to NPDS Brackets www.cbssports.com. We'll do a link on Twitter and we'll do a link on Coca's Instagram and on everywhere, but it's cbssports.com slash NPDSB, all caps, rackets. Capital N, capital P, capital D, capital S. That's our show. Nothing personal with David Sampson. Rackets.com. We've got hundreds of people. It's pretty amazing. And by the way, we've got amazing prizes for you. If you win in addition to being eligible for the Nissan Rogue and the trip to the Final Four and a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus, blah, blah, great, great, great. You're going to win something cool for winning the MPDS bracket, and you're going to like it. And if you beat Coca, all you got to do is beat Coca to be eligible for a prize. Now, there's so many hundreds of people doing it, and I would say so many hundreds of people are going to beat Coca. But if you beat them, you're going to go into a raffle, and the winner of the raffle will get something a pretty cool prize for me, from my collection. If you win the whole thing, that's gonna be cool too. 
So please sign up, fill out your bracket. You can still do it through today. The NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. The Badgers play tomorrow against UNC. And if you look at my bracket, because I filled one out, it's not going to be hard to beat me. But eventually, Wisconsin's got to win one of these, don't they? Well, we lost our nothing personal pick of the day yesterday. Two days ago. But we won yesterday. I was scared we wouldn't win again, but we did. We had the Grizzlies plus two. We didn't need it. The line moved to minus one when Jimmy Butler wasn't going to play. Who cares if you put the bet in when you listened and you were listening immediately after the episode drops? You took the Grizzlies, you got two points, and then you watched the Grizzlies win the game by four. Guess what? We are 36 and 21. Hell yeah. All right, we got a back-to-back game today. The Trailblazers are playing the Pelicans. The Portland Trailblazers have one of the top eight players in the NBA, maybe top five, Damian Lillard. The Pelicans have one of the great young players called uh, Zion Williamson. And here is where I am in this game. It is hard to beat two good teams uh, back to beat a good team back to back. But the Trailblazers shouldn't have won two days ago. Lillard had a 20 points in the fourth quarter, 50 overall. The Trailblazers are going to win their second game over the Pelicans this week. And you're only giving one point to the Pelicans. Portland is my pick. Tonight, we are going to be doing Thursday night. Again, we're going to be on Twitter spaces. Please make sure you join us. Twitter Spaces is where I do a Q&A for one hour a week. Any question you have, it's like an audio chat room. To me, Clubhouse was fine, but you could not join Clubhouse if you weren't invited. It's way better now because all you have to do is follow me on Twitter, get onto Twitter, and all of a sudden, we're going to be doing live Q&A where you get to be brought to the stage by Coca and talk, and we can talk about anything you want. Last week, we covered a lot of various subjects. There's so much going on in the world, and I'm so happy to give you an hour of my time tonight because it's important, and I want you to know that I'm available to you, and I love the interaction. That's it, though. No more interaction for this moment. We will see you tonight on Twitter Spaces. You're going to fill out your bracket, and given the entirety of this show, you very well know it's just business. This is nothing personal.